Good morning. How's everyone? Good. My name's Eric, and I'd love to get to know you if I don't know you. Uh, out in the courtyard, there's a welcome center. We'd love to answer any questions you might have, help you connect to our church, and just help you be a part of our family here. Uh, one of the questions I've been getting is, hey, do you know how crazy parking is? Yes. It is a beautiful problem. Um, it's fun, not fun, right? We're excited. More people are coming. Um, we apologize for maybe how long it takes. Uh, we're, right now, what we're doing, we're trying to wait for that beautiful grass field to dry out so that we can put more parking in there. And so as you see that open up, you can park there. As long as you don't do donuts or anything crazy, the grass will be fine. And so it was meant to do that. Uh, if you're able-bodied and you're able to walk, we encourage you to park further away, get some good exercise. Uh, allow those who maybe struggle to walk far to park close. And so uh, just look for that. Hopefully it'll be dried out this week. And uh, we thank you for your patience. Uh, also, we just started our Israel signups for January 2024, so we encourage you to look online and um, come join us as we look at the Holy Land and see where Jesus walked and taught and did miracles and kind of help see your Bible come to life and just have a deeper uh, trustworthiness and appreciation for uh, the purity of God's Word. And uh, we're going to now be in our last uh, sermon of the sermon series on the church. And so we're excited. Hopefully it's been helpful just to set up your thinking and also just process why we go to church, why church is important, why we're here. So if you uh, have ever been in a hard time, I don't know if these words have comforted you before, but they have me and I think they have you too, is that it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. And it's kind of knowing in that singular moment, it's not always going to be this hard. Uh, I know for me it was uh, when I I'd had back surgery and I was trying to put on my socks and I couldn't. It took me over a half an hour and I'm stubborn so I don't ask for help. So I'm sitting there with a the little cloth thingy and I'm trying to get my foot and I can't bend. And I just remember the doctor saying, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to get easier. And I'm like, that's easy for you. You can bend, right? And so I'm um, just thinking through that and what took months to put on a sock felt like years. But I just remember, you know, it's going to be better. It's not always this hard. If you're a new parent, people tell you that all the time right? You're, you're without sleep. The baby won't stop. You're like, it's going to get better. It's going to be okay. It's not always going to be this hard. And so those words, I think, sometimes comfort us. Or maybe you're used to this with your children. You're constantly telling them, you're going to be fine. Stop. Right? And whether they're crying about a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, you know, they have a, a hurt knee and there's tears, you're like, you're going to be fine. And I think there's, there's kind of this paradox, but both are true, is that yes, they're in pain, but isn't it true they're going to be fine? It, it is true. Okay, they're going to be fine. Okay, now here's the problem. You know, as parents, you get used to that rhythm, and we tell this to our children, but then we stop telling that to ourselves. We somehow think we're not going to be fine, and it's not going to be better one day. And so what we're going to do is just walk through this Revelation passage, passage and just I hope you see that heaven is meant to create a stillness that says, it won't always be like this. You are fine. It will get better. So we're going to pray and just walk through that. And that's my hope is you'd walk away full of comfort, knowing the peace and the hope and the joy that heaven brings. So let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we pray that it would just draw us close. It would bring us great comfort and great joy and great hope. And I just pray that your words would speak, um, that we would think through these things, be like, wow, just what a glorious God we have. What a beautiful Savior we worship. 
And so we just pray for your words to comfort us and enlighten us and draw us close for your words and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so this, this is important. I think sometimes um, revelation gets very confusing or people argue a lot. So let's just make it simple. The whole book is just basically Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his people. It's meant, to, it's meant to comfort you, give you hope, and know it's going to happen. He came the first time. He's coming the second time. And so these are the kind of final instructions. He's like, hey, this is how it's going to happen. And so there's some subtleties I want us to see, but it's important. But it talks about suffering uh, right off the bat. Verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither thou shalt, shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Okay, so what does that tell us now? And this is important as a Christian, because Christians are somehow believing this lie, is that until that moment, there will be what? Mourning, death, and tears. Somehow Christians fall into this trap that if I'm a Christian, that I won't be in pain, or, or that suffering shouldn't happen to me. This passage makes it very clear. Until Christ comes back, expect to cry, expect death, and expect pain. And if you're a Christian, that doesn't always mean you're doing something bad. It doesn't mean you're like, well, I'm a Christian. This shouldn't be happening to me. Yeah, sometimes you sin, and God says he disciplines those whom he loves. Okay? So yeah, you're, you're receiving pain from the Lord, but it's good because he loves you. And other times he just says, hey, you're going to go through this. And it's going to be okay. You're going to suffer. You're going to have pain. And, and, and I want you to do this. This is why Paul, if you look at him, the Apostle Paul, he's in pain and suffering and agony. But one of the things that anchored him as he looks through this, it won't always be like this. It won't always be like this. You see, until Jesus comes back, it's important to know there's going to be suffering and there's going to be pain. So brace yourself for that. And, and quit looking through this lens of how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Rather, expect it will happen and say, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to embrace this? And it's good to pray, God, take this pain away. God, take this suffering away. But sometimes God says no, and it isn't because he doesn't love you. It's because pain and suffering serve a great purpose they're to remind us that earth is terrible and Jesus is amazing. Don't get too comfortable here. You're just visiting. It also, pain and suffering operate as the great humility. That when you find yourself with a disease like cancer or you find yourself with a debilitating weakness or you find yourself in this just tragedy, you can literally do nothing and you're helpless and you need a savior and you need God. It humbles us. It reminds us. And so it's important to think through these things that, that suffering is not something that the Christian is withheld from. There will be suffering as long as there is sin. And there will be death as long as there is sin until Christ comes back. So that's kind of one, a, a theology of suffering. Two is, is Christians somehow, they get twisted on this. And, and this is important. We're just going to take like a quick theological moment. I know you guys love those, but I just, I want to make sure at our church, we don't get confused when you hear weird things. And, and so like your end times eschatology or theology is related to your church ecclesiology, right? Meaning this, if you think that the end times, the whole goal is for us to bring Christ down, 
you will think the purpose of the church is to make the world a better place. And this is what some churches teach, that we need to make the world better. We need to end suffering, end pain. We need to end all of these things. And then when we've reached every person, we've overcome everything, then Christ will come down. And so we're just on earth trying and working and working and working, and God's going, nope, not good enough. Nope, not good enough. Nope, try harder. And then finally, when all of that is gone, he'll go, okay, now we can go. Now we can go. That's not what the passage teaches, though, is it? It says there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, and there's going to be death. There's going to be mourning. There's going to be crying. There's going to be tears until Christ comes back. So no matter how hard we work, we will not make the world a better place. As long as there is sin, there will be suffering. This is why it says, behold, he's making all things new. He makes things new. He ends sin. He ends suffering, not us. And so the purpose then of the church isn't to get rid of suffering. It's to be faithful in the midst of suffering. It's to know that one day it won't always be like this. It's to know that I will be okay. He's with me. He loves me. He's not caught off guard. See, the imagery in the Bible of a wedding is like this, because we're called the bride of Christ. You see this with the capital B, right? You saw that through the passage. The bride of Christ. Well, in a Jewish wedding, what happens? The son, the groom, goes and prepares a place to bring his bride. And when the father sees that the son has an acceptable place for the bride, he then sends the son to capture his bride and bring her home. Now, what do we see in the Gospels? What does Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you. And when the father says that the son, it's ready, he'll come and grab his bride. And so what does that mean for us? That Jesus will be sent by the father to gather us together and bring us into heaven and all of this suffering and sin will end. This is why they keep saying, Jesus is now the time, is now the time. He says, no, only the father knows, be ready. So it's important to understand as a Christian, I'm not gonna get away from suffering, I'm not gonna get away from pain, and I'm not gonna get away from death, not until Christ comes back. I think that's important. On, on some level, that should comfort you. That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. In fact, you could be doing everything right, and God says, and now you're gonna suffer. And in that suffering, I want you to show the world that you love me more than your suffering, you love me more than this world, that there's nothing in this world that you love more than me, and nothing can change your love and affection and adoration for me. It's what you see with Paul over and over again. He loves Christ more than what the world can give him. And people say, I need to know this Christ. So understanding suffering ends here. It's very, very important. You see, we're not going to change this world. Just look in your Bible. You can see it over and over again. The same rhythms then are the same rhythms now. Israel starts off in what? Tyranny, under the control of Pharaoh. What do they want? Freedom. So they leave tyranny and they become free in the wilderness. And what happens in the wilderness? Chaos. They start worshiping idols. They start going crazy, forgetting what God did for them. So they move from tyranny to chaos. And then what do they want to do? Say, no, no, give us a different king. They want tyranny. And so you're always going to be in this world moving from tyranny to chaos. 
They're going to say, the government, we need them to help us, protect us. They'll make life easier. And there's, oh, wait, they're too restrictive. We want freedom. Then you get chaos because you get essentially everyone saying, I just want to do whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want. Anarchy. No, we need a government to fix it. You guys see what I'm saying? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Why is that important? You're never going to fix it. You're never going to fix it. There's no king that can wipe away every tear except Jesus. There's no government, there's no person that can wipe away every tear except Jesus. Every form of government, every form of, of ruling body, it will only bring more tears. It will only bring more tears. Only Christ can end the suffering. And so this is important for the Christian to realize my job is to be faithful. My job is to love him well. My job is to love him in any and all circumstances. He will end the suffering. He will bring the justice. He will make all things right. That's not my job. And once we wrap our heads around that, we see, we read in the book of Revelation, you're like, he's coming back, he's coming back. There's not gonna be tears. There's not gonna be mourning. And that's give us hope, doesn't it? That gives you great, you're not gonna have to mourn the loss of a loved one ever again. You're not gonna have to worry about making a decision ever again. From the simple things like, where are we eating after church to, should I do this, should I not do this, do I let my kids, do I homeschool, do I go leave California, stay, do I say this, don't say this, post this, don't post this. That's stressful, isn't it? Choices, they can be very stressful. You'll never have to deal with that again. Never, ever, ever, ever again. Because Christ will come and he will bring us to be with him. And so as you look through this, it's to be very comforting. Now, but it also has meaning in the present. Suffering is going to happen. And sometimes what happens in suffering with Christians, we love to play the victim. And we kind of, we kind of buy into this victimology that we're always being oppressed and there's always bad things happening to us. And we, and we like that place of victimhood because then it allows us to blame someone else for oppressing us. And then it allows us to say, see how terrible you are? That reminds me how great I am because how terrible you are to me because I'm always a victim. And it circles and it circles and it circles. You guys seeing that at all? Hopefully, yeah, you think through it, you'll see it. Now, why do we bring that up? Because as a Christian, you're not a victim. You're not. Christ has defeated every sin. He has paid for everything for you to be with him in heaven. You're a Christian in a hard time. You're a Christian in a bad marriage. You're a Christian with bad health. You're a Christian with bad fill in the blank. The worst place you could be is going to hell. You're not going to hell. Your sins are paid for. That's why verse six is so important. You have living water without payment. He paid for you. So yes, you will have suffering, but it will end one day. And just like you tell your kids, it will be fine. You will get through it. He's with you. He loves you. And one day you'll never have to worry about death. You'll never have to worry about anxiety. You'll never have to worry about bills. You'll never have to worry about kids not listening to you. Suffering will end. He will wipe away those tears. That's good news for us, isn't it? So so this is where it's important in the book of Revelation. He's saying, hey, Christian, the world is going to be crazy. And it's going to be nutty. And you're going to suffer. That suffering will end. But also, justice will come. 
God's essentially asking his church, trust me in two ways. Trust me in your suffering and trust me in justice. Verse eight walks through this. Hey, in the finality of all things, verse eight, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire and sulfur that is the second death. That covers just about everyone, doesn't it? What's he saying? Hey, Christian, look, you're going to get hurt. And our inclination is to, I will make you pay for hurting me. It's saying, trust that the Lord will take care of that. He will make all things right. And you need to find great comfort in that. There's going to be people that cause you deep, deep pain. One, he's going to wipe your tears. Two, he's going to bring justice. Now, this is, this is hard sometimes in church land because the idea of hell seems so unloving. But the Bible's pretty straightforward. Heaven, hell, no in between. Now, if you're Catholic, you're like, well, what about purgatory? I don't see a middle in this passage, do you? You look at verse 6, it says that without payment, Christ pays for you. Purgatory is the idea that Christ pays partially for you. Then you die, then you work off the rest, and then you get to come in. Christ pays it full for your sin. You don't need to worry about that. He's the full payment for your sin. Heaven is your new home. He is your new father. He is the king forever, and he will wipe away your tears. There's no in-between. Now, here's kind of the twofold part of this. On one level, you think of hell. On some level, it should comfort you. One, you're not going there if you know Christ. But on another level, that all of the sin in this world, choices matter, decisions matter, he will deal with it. Isn't that comforting on some level for you? I don't have to worry about making all things right. But on another level, I hope we don't wish or hope hell on anyone, no matter how bad we've been wounded. Our prayer should always be the prayer of the thief on the cross, that even in the last moments, they might know forgiveness. They might know Christ. You see, if you're a Christian, Hopefully you know what it's like to once be an enemy of God, now be a child of God and say, I, I want that for everyone. But fully recognizing not everyone will repent of their sin and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. So there will be those who don't go. So our role then on earth is to let everyone and anyone know of the greatness and the beautifulness of our Lord and Savior. And it's not going to make the world a better place. But that's our role until Christ comes back. See, sin is punished, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to know that God sees everything, and he cares about us. And he's going to make things right. But sometimes we just, God doesn't move fast enough. We think if we see other people in pain, it'll somehow make us feel better. It never does, does it? And even if it does, tomorrow happens. 
And you have to recreate the satisfaction. And so essentially what you have is God saying, look, the only way you'll have satisfaction is in me. And you're always gonna have suffering until I come back. Just trust me in the process. Trust me in the meantime. Trust me with your sin, it's paid for. Trust me in your suffering, that's hard, it's painful. And trust me in justice, I'll take care of it. And so essentially you boil those two things down and what should that give us? Faith, hope, and love. That's what we're to have in the church. Read through 1 Corinthians 13. He's like, look, faith, hope, and love. What are we to have faith in? That Christ is coming back. You see, if heaven wasn't our home and this world was all that we had, then it makes complete and utter sense that we would do everything we could to make this the greatest place ever because this is all there is. Have fun, live your best life, because after this, there's nothing. So live it up, try your hardest, do your best. But it also means when everything goes bad, you're losing the only chance you have at happiness. You're losing the only chance you have of finding satisfaction in this world. That's a depressing thing, isn't it? See, but this is not our home. Heaven is our home. So whatever happens here, it's temporary. It's not permanent. And it won't always be like that. So do you have faith that he will come back? If you do, then you can have hope. It won't always be like this. It will be better. And if you have hope, then you can love. See, what robs us of love is the lack of hope because we're bitter that the world is taking things from us. We're bitter that the world is not as it should be. We're bitter that there's not justice. We're bitter that there's suffering. And so we're incapable of love because we're angry. We're angry at our family, we're angry at the world, we're angry at the politics, we're angry at the economy because it's robbing us of our best life now. See, but if you have full hope that Christ will come back, it will end. You don't need to make this place better. You're now free to love people. You're free to love people. See, we can only love people when we love Christ more than we love this world. See, at the end goal of this is hopefully through the suffering and sin in the world, we truly see that there's nothing better than being with Jesus. If we're afraid to go to heaven because of what this world has, then we've grossly underestimated Christ and we're way too attached to this world. See, Paul models for us, there's nothing better than to be with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.8, he says this. He says, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather away, be away from the body and at home with the Lord. See, here's the thing. As a Christian, your ultimate end point is to be able to say, I'd rather be with Jesus. I'd rather be with Jesus. And for some of us, that's hard to imagine. But just if you're a Christian, hopefully you can identify with this. There's been moments in your life when you've prayed and you've, and you've felt the forgiving presence of Christ in your life that your sins are paid for and there's no greater feeling than you know when you're loved and you're forgiven. That prayer, it's just a glimpse of what heaven is like. You've read your Bible and you've seen how he's loved you and provided for you and you're just, it's so amazing. You, you're singing a song about the goodness and greatness. You guys ever been there? There's still small moments where just, you're so glad you know Jesus. You're so glad you're saved. Those are just those glimpses into heaven. 
those glimpses, and it's like, that's what it's going to be like forever. But then what I hear people say sometimes is, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. I don't know if I want to be in heaven without these loved ones. And I get that. That's hard. Let's go back to our text. Are there tears in heaven? Not a trick question. Is there pain? Is there mourning? Is there crying? You won't know. That pain won't be there. You're going to be in perfect harmony with Christ. All of it's going to be gone. You won't know. And as hard as that seems, the the end goal is to love Christ more than you love this world. To love Christ more than anyone or anything in this world. And then you would love him so much. You say, I just want to be with Jesus. One of the most encouraging things of being a pastor has been walking with older people and just watching them get near the end. And they're like, Eric, I just want to be with Jesus. I mean, think about that. If you're an old person, they've had the opportunity to try every crazy thing in this world. And they're not saying, man, I want to go get back and so I can vote. I hope I live long enough for the next election. Never heard that one. Okay? Man, I just hope we get back for Christmas because I want to have a good potluck. Right? Like, no. I can't wait, you know, to get to the next playoff or Super Bowl. No. They've lived it all. They've been married, had grandkids. And the one thing, the one thing they want to do is go be with Jesus. Because they understand there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. They've tried to end it all through money, through relationships, through fame, through power, through prestige. None of it works. There's still tears. There's still death. There's still mourning. And they realize in the end, only Christ, only Christ, only Christ. It's better to be with Jesus. So as the Christian, it's our mantra, our purpose to point that out to the world it's better to have Christ it's better to have Christ it's always going to be there until heaven Philippians 123 Paul reiterates the point he says I am hard pressed between the two my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better far better so Christian this morning that is the question for you is it far better to be with Christ is it far better to be with Christ And if your answer is, I'm not sure, I don't know, now you're understanding why there's suffering and pain in the world. It's God's reminder that it's better to be with him. Because there is no government, there is no country, there is no economic situation that will wipe away your tears, that will cure your mourning, that will take your anxiety, and that will solve death. Only Christ can do that for you. And the quicker we realize that, the more effective we're able to be in this world. Because we will trust, have faith. Christ will end suffering. Christ will bring justice. We will have hope in those circumstances. And then lastly, we'll be able to love people. We'll be able to go out and tell them, I understand You're in pain. But whatever you're going to pursue, if you don't pursue Christ, it won't wipe your tears. They'll just keep coming back. They'll keep coming back. This is why Jesus brings finality to it. He says, look, I'm verse six, I'm the alpha. I'm the omega, the beginning and the end. And there will be no more thirst and it will be without payment. 
That's great news, isn't it? I know some of you are mourning the fact that you're not going to eat in heaven, but this is good. You're also not going to gain weight in heaven, right? Yeah? You don't have to deal with all of these things. The world is hard. Suffering is hard. Bills are hard. Raising children is hard. They're saying, you know, you be faithful in that, but one day it won't be like this. It's just like when you look your little three-year-old in the eyes and you're like, it's going to be okay. God writes the book of Revelation. He says, look into it and see you're going to be okay. Heaven is coming. And you're not going to convince him to come. He has a fixed time. He will come. Just trust him until he gets there. Trust him until he gets there. Trust him until he gets there. Have faith. Have hope. And that'll give you the ability to love. Because when we're trying to end suffering and end pain, we're bitter and we're angry. And we're so focused on making this all better that we don't love people. We don't love Christ because we're, we're too worried about changing our circumstances. Circumstances will get worked out. Have faith, have hope, have love. Here are some questions for us uh, to ask ourselves. Do you neglect thinking about heaven? If so, why? The book of Revelation is meant to be this great encouragement to the believer. It encouraged Christians back then during persecution and Roman rule as they were being hated and killed and exterminated. And what was the encouragement? Christ will end this one day. He will come back. Be faithful. It encouraged them. It should encourage us. Thinking about how it will be gives us hope in the present. Gives us hope for the future. See, thinking about suffering apart from heaven is problematic because we think that the goal of suffering is to get rid of it. Christ gets rid of it. Our goal is to be faithful. Two, how does the hope of heaven impact you now? It should impact your bitterness. It should impact your anxiety. It should impact your angry. It should, or being angry. Sorry, it should impact being jealous. It should, all of these things. Heaven is your home. What do you have to be jealous of the non-believer? Nothing. It should impact the way we feel and react and think. Now remember, both things are true. When the three-year-old has a scraped knee, is the three-year-old in pain? Yes, but will things be fine? Yes, both things are true. It's not saying that you don't have pain. No, the pain's there, but you will be okay. Take heart, Christian. Three, how does faith play a role in suffering and injustice presently? It means we don't feel like we gotta fix every wrong. You don't have to fix the government. You don't have to fix the crazy neighbor. But what you do need to do is share Christ with them. That you do need to do. But it's not our job to fix this crazy world. Christ will make all things right. On some level, doesn't that take a weight off your shoulders? We don't have to fix this crazy place. Christ will fix it. He will end it. And he will make all things new. And in that new heaven, there will be no pain and suffering. Four, what does it look like to trust God's future justice? Just think about that. I don't need to be the arbiter of justice. I don't need to be the one that decides when they've paid enough. 
I don't need to be the one that decides if they really mean their forgiveness, if they're really sorry. I don't need a pound of flesh. Do you trust that God could do far worse to them than you ever could? Do you trust that 21.8, an eternal lake of fire, is far worse than your dirty stares you give them and taking them off your Christmas card list, right? Like all the little things, catty things. No, 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 the lake of fire sounds way worse. Christ will deal with it. Then five, why do you think people believe God does not want Christians to experience pain? This is one of the biggest fallacies in all the church. And Christians get sucked into, if I just perform, try harder, work harder, go harder, then bad things won't happen to me. And then bad things happen. It's like, oh, God doesn't love me. And then what does the pastor say? Well, keep trying harder. Keep trying harder. And you're a slave to trying harder. And bad things keep happening. That's depressing, isn't it? I think it is. You guys might think it's great. That's terrible. It's terrible. Paul suffered. Peter suffered. Jesus suffered. You're in great company if you're suffering. The reality is you pray sometimes and God takes it away. Other times you pray and God says, nope, you're staying right there. He still loves you. He's still with you. And one day it won't be there. Take comfort. You're fine. Keep going, even though you're in pain. Christianity is not painless until heaven. And the quicker we understand that, the more we'll be able to be full of hope and love to the world around us. Because what they need to know is Christ. Because if they don't know Christ as the payment for their sin, hell is their future. Verse 8 makes it clear. We want them to know there's hope, there's forgiveness of sins. Jesus pays it all. That's verse six. Without payment, Christ pays it. You just need to trust him. And when we know that as Christians, we have all the hope in the world. And then hopefully what you'll see is we have all the reason in the world to sing that one day this will all go away. And one day we will be with him forever where there's no pain, no suffering, and no tears. That's great news, isn't it? It is. It is. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. Uh, and we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for heaven. Uh, it's not always something we think about, but I pray it's something we think about more. Heaven is my home. I'm just visiting here. You're going to wipe away the tears. You're going to wipe away the pain. We're not going to know the loss of loved ones. We're not going to know death. We're not going to have anxiety. We're not going to have responsibilities. We're not going to have the weight of the world crashing on us. One day, it will be no more. That we would praise you and thank you for that. That we would thank you that you've paid the full price of our sin through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That we just get to enjoy you forever one day. So it's my prayer that we would now sing and celebrate all that you've done, that heaven is our home, and that that is our future, that we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.